0: class just for them if you have your Bibles this morning and and I hope that you do turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 8 book of Acts chapter 8 this morning I want to share with uh, us together a message entitled our motivation to witness we've been talking about our witness and our testimony for the last several weeks uh, excluding Mother's Day last week, but uh, but we've been talking about our witness and our testimony uh, and our call to be a witness and a testimony, and today we want to talk about our motivation to witness. Jesus and the Word have a lot to say about our motives, what motivates us to do things in life. A motive is that which moves one toward some gratification physically uh, it's socially, mentally, or spiritually. Motives are inward forces that impel life upward or downward. Sometimes our motive moves us upward, sometimes our motive can move us downward. An example of that can be found in God's Word in the Sermon on the Mount. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, Jesus is speaking. Now, we're still going to go to Acts 8. Don't, don't misunderstand that this morning. But here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking on the Sermon of the Mount, and He spoke of motives. The motives behind the act of giving, the motives behind the act of praying, and the motives behind the act of fasting. And in regards to that, He gave a very stern warning to His disciples and to His followers and listen to what he says in the very first verse. He says, beware. I don't know about you, but that sets me on alert. Beware. Take care, he says, be careful about this, of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And then he goes on to talk about those three things and talk about the motive behind giving, praying, praying, And fasting. But the warning is this be careful, beware, take notice. It's very easy for us to fall into the idea to be motivated by people's applause or men's recognition. And he said, be careful about that. Because he said, if you do what you do, if you are motivated, if your motive behind doing what you do in the kingdom of God, is for the applause of men or recognition of others, for people to say, oh, how great you are, wonderful you are, fantastic you are. If that's what motivates you, he says, then there is no reward. There's no reward with the Father. In other words, the only reward you're going to receive is the applause of men. The only reward that comes from from anything that we do, and he's talking about about the, the giving, he's talking about praying, He's talking about fasting. And as he talks about these these elementary things, these very foundational things in regards to our spiritual life and our spiritual journey, he says, be careful why you do them. If you do them so that others will recognize and applaud you for it, then he said, there is no reward with the Father. That's the only reward you're going to receive. I think that the church today would do well to listen to that warning, I think that there is is a lot of things done in the name of the church and the name of the Lord today that is done for self indulgence that that is done so that people will applaud, that people will lift them up and say, "Oh, how wonderful we might be." We must be careful lest we let the motive of self importance, self gratification, or self interest. Be that which moves us to do the things that we do in life. We must be vigilant and on the guard. Beware, he says, so that our kingdom activity isn't promoted by selfishness. That it's about me and what people might say or do. We find in the Scriptures that even the apostles... I want you to think about this for a moment. How, how challenging this can be and difficult. Even the apostles who walked with Jesus daily, who lived side by side with Him, who listened personally to His teachings, even the apostles struggled with this idea of what motivates me to do the ministry that I do. What is the motive behind it? When they would seek for their own self-gratification, their own recognition, or their own glory, they struggled with that. And so this morning, I want us to look into Acts chapter 8, and I want us to see some instruction from God's Word that can help us to find what motivates us to be a witness to others in this life. Acts chapter 8, beginning this morning in the very first verse and reading together. And it says, and Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. Okay, So this is Saul, who later becomes Paul. But at this point, he's Saul. And we listen to what's going to happen. And on that day, a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Therefore, verse 4, remember what I always say? If you see the word therefore, ask yourself the question, what's it there for? Why is that word there? Therefore, he says, because of what I have just said, this is the result. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs uh, which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was much rejoicing in that city. And here's the first thing I want us to notice about this today took persecution to move them beyond Jerusalem. I want you to think about that for a moment. These people had been given what we call today the Great Commission, that you are to be my witness in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But yet we find them still clustered together, gathered together in Jerusalem. We find them still encouraging one another, drawing strength from one another. They had had not become this eager band of evangelists to go follow the instructions of Jesus to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost, uttermost parts of the earth. They hadn't started to do that yet. They were still seemed to be content with being gathered together to share with one another, to build up one another in the kingdom right there in Jerusalem. In fact... If you leave your finger there in Acts chapter 8, turn back with me to Acts chapter 2 and, uh, and listen at the end of Acts chapter 2 and hear what it says about this band of people in verses 46 and 47 before we get to Acts chapter 8 and the events of persecution. It says, "...and day by day, uh, continuing with one mind in the temple." Okay, so continuing with one another, one mind in the temple." And it says, and and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity at heart. There was a lot of unity. There was a lot of harmony. Everything was going wonderful. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay? So think about that for just a moment. They've received what we call the Great Commission. Go! And make disciples. They're making disciples. But they're not going. They're right there in Jerusalem. They're going to the temple. They're going house to house. They're sharing meals. They're praising the Lord. And the Lord is blessing them. He's adding to their number daily. Those who are being saved. All of those are good things. But they never begin to go out. And share their witness outside of Jerusalem. Outside of that group of Jewish converts. Right there. Until persecution came. In Acts chapter 8. It says that they were persecuted and that Saul was going house to house and dragging people out and he was putting them in prison for being a Christian, for for naming the name of Christ. And and as a result of that persecution, Acts chapter 8 says, And they were scattered. Where were they scattered to? Judea, Samaria, and other areas. And then it says, Therefore... Because of this, this is what happened. They began to share the gospel with other people. They began to share their witness and their testimony. And in fact, it talks about one specific Philip and the events surrounding that and says there was great joy and people were coming to understand who Christ was and what that meant to their life. Why? What was the motivation? The motivation was persecution. Here's what I would submit to you today. I don't think that any of us want to call for persecution to be the thing that motivates us to be a witness in the kingdom of God. I don't think one of us would say, oh yeah, bring on the persecution, man. We, we want people to be beaten, stoned to death like Stephen. We, we want people to end up in prison because of, no, no, no. But what will it take to cause us to be motivated to be a witness for the kingdom of God? And to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It took these people. They were good people. They were doing good things. The Lord was blessing what they were doing. All of that was good. They just weren't going and doing what He had called them to do. You and I have that same calling. You and I have that same commission. Commission. For us to go. And to share the message of Jesus Christ with the lost world. And the question is. What will it take, what does it take to motivate us to do that? We want to look at a few things in God's Word this morning that, that shares or encourages us in there. The first one is this. The joy of being the bearer of good news should be a motive for us. The joy of being the bearer of good news. Did you hear what it said about Philip? It said he went down and, and so the persecution caused them to, to disperse and they were scattered, and he went down, and he began to preach the message of Jesus. He began to tell other people about Jesus. And it says that there were great joy in that city. The joy of seeing others. The joy of being the bearer of good news that sees others come to know Jesus and His salvation. Come to, to experience His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness, His love. The joy of that should be a motivator for you and I to share that message with the lost world. To share it with our family. To share it with our friends and our neighbors. To share it with our co-workers. People that we come in contact with. To tell people the good news about Jesus. We don't have to have all of the answers. We don't have to know book, chapter, and verse. What we do need to know is that Jesus has made a difference in our life, and He saved our souls, He forgave our sins, He loves us, and we need to tell other people about that. And that's it. Just tell them about what He has done for you. And if you will share that witness, if you will share that testimony, then we will be doing what He's called to. And He says, there will be great joy we will experience great joy. I want to tell you, there is no greater joy, no greater privilege in all of life than being a part of, being used by God to help others come to know Christ and being a part of that conversion process. I have had the privilege in, in my life to, to witness and share with all three of my children And been a part of baptizing them into Jesus Christ. And and I'll tell you, there's no greater thrill in all of life, no greater joy in all of life than being a part of that process. Now, we have to remember what he said. Be careful. Be careful about what? That if we experience the joy of that, that that is the motive for why we do it. And not let it become to the point that we begin to seek honor for what we did. Or recognition for what we've done. Or somebody says, oh boy, they're, they're a soul winner, man. They've been out bringing people to the Lord. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, I'm a soul winner. People recognize. Then all of a sudden, guess what? The motive that started with the joy of seeing lost people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That that motive is now tainted. Because it becomes self-satisfying. I, I begin to to get built up in myself. Because people are noticing that I'm sharing the gospel and people are, are coming to receive Jesus Christ Lord. So we have to be careful. And that's why he gives that warning. It's a very stern warning. Beware. Take care, he says. Don't let yourself be led into the idea that when you're doing kingdom things, that those things should be for you to be recognized or applauded or appreciated by man. He said, if you do, that's all the reward you're going to get. There's no reward from our Lord. But he says one of the things that should move us, motivate us should be a motive for you and I to be a witness and a testimony sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is is that it should be the joy that comes from seeing someone else come to know Christ and to experience his mercy his grace his forgiveness and his love that should motivate us next thing is this that we need to recognize the authority and the call to witness should be a motive for us. Recognizing the authority and the call to witness should be a motive for us. Turn back, if you would. We were over in in Matthew a little bit earlier in in chapter 6 for the Sermon on the Mount. Turn back with me, if you would. We're going to come back to Acts chapter 8. But Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. A very common, familiar passage of Scripture beginning in verse 18. And this is Jesus He is calling all believers to be a part of this. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, Listen to these words. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. There's that word again. Why? Because I have authority. I am giving you instruction under that authority. Go therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. We need to recognize the authority and the call of Christ Jesus. And that should be a motive for you and I to be a witness to share our testimony with others about what Christ has done for us in our life. He said, because of his authority, he is giving us a commission, a command, that we are to go and make disciples. We are to go and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost world. We are to go and make sure that others hear about who Christ is and what he has done for us and what he can do for them. And that should be a motive for us. That it is under His authority and His call and His commission that you and I should be a witness and a testimony for the kingdom of God. Experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit within us should motivate our witness. Remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in regards to the Holy Spirit. And and where does He dwell? He dwells within us. The Holy Spirit has has been sent to live in us and to help us. Where did we start today? We started talking about what is a motive. And, And a motive is something what? From within. Something from within that stirs us or causes us to act in our life. So He's given us the Holy Spirit to live within us. And He lives within us to help us in the process. And so that inner stirring of the Holy Spirit should be a motive for you and I to share the good news of the gospel. To be a witness and a testimony to the lost world. And so we see these motives that He's giving us in His Word. And He said, these are the things that should cause you to be a witness. These are the things that should motivate you and encourage you. And, and the Holy Spirit, He has been sent to help you to do just that. And so we say things like, "What? well, I, well I, don't, I, I don't know what I would say. I, I'm not very good at talking to people. I, I just I get uncomfortable and I, and, I, and I don't know where to start or how to approach the subject. Well, let me ask you, have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you with that? Have you said to the Helper that Jesus said the Father would sin to dwell in us when we become a Christian? Have you talked to Him and say, hey, listen, I know that the Father has called me and, and, and He has given me a responsibility, a commission, and under His authority, to share the good news, to go and make disciples. And, I, and I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm not good at that. Holy Spirit, could You help me? Could You help me with that? Could You give me a, a greater confidence could you give me a, a, an understanding of where to start and how to approach it? Could, could you just, just give me one person and let me see how I could, could help them? And let me share with them my witness, my testimony. What is your witness, your testimony? Well, that's you. Here's, here's a simple outline for a witness or testimony. If you want to write this down, take it home and work on it, right? First thing is this, where was I? Where was I in life? I was lost I was a sinner I was hopeless Some people in the eyes of the world are, are in worse shape than others But the fact of the matter is If we're lost, we're lost If we're a sinner, we're a sinner If we're separated from God, we're separated from God Some of those things may be more devastating to me physically May be more devastating to my life To my family But, but I, where was I? I was lost What happened? I met Jesus, and in meeting Jesus, he changed my life. How did he change your life? Well, he did this, he, did this, and he forgave me, he gave me mercy, he gave me grace. And what's happened since then, how I live my life today? Simple outline for my testimony, for my witness. Where was I? This is where I was in life. What happened? I met Jesus. What's the result of that? He forgave me. What, what, that's what that means. And how do you live now? I live differently than I did before. That's all you have to know. I, I, I don't have to know one Bible verse to tell people what Jesus has done for me in my life. That's good if you do. It's good if you can take those verses and put them together that you've learned and you know and, and make them a part of that story. But the bottom line is to tell someone that the, my witness or my testimony, my story, of what God has done for me in my life, I don't have to know one Bible verse to do that. All I have to know is where I was, what happened, where I am after that, and what that means to my life today. I'm going to tell you, every one of you could tell me that. If we sat down right now, I brought you right up here in front of this whole group, and I said, hey, where were you? What, what, what was going on in your life before you met Jesus? You could tell me that every one of us probably most of us can remember when we met jesus the day that it happened and what was going on i remember we were having a revival at my church and, and that revival we had this this revival speaker his name was chuck dowdy and chuck dowdy was a little fiery guy he probably was about five six but man he he just was full of energy he came down to our house stayed at our house for the revival And he went out in the field with a bunch of us kids and played football with us. Coolest guy ever on the face of earth, us kids, we thought. But one night, 1972, at that revival, he spoke to my heart. And God called me. and, And my life has never been the same. Man, I'm getting to be kind of an older guy. But I remember that. I remember that day like it was yesterday. Okay? I promise you, most of you could do the same thing. Where was I? What happened? God spoke to my heart. Through that guy, because of his life and the way he lived it and the interaction he had with those young people, he spoke to my heart. And God called me to follow him. And I did. What does that mean? It means that I've received His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness and His love. It means that I'm no longer bound to hell, responsible for the sins of my past, present, or future, but that I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. That's what it means to me. And how's your life today? Well, my life today, every one of us can do that. That's all it means to be a witness. That's all it means to share our testimony. Now, could I plug some verses in there to help? Absolutely, that would be a great thing. But the bottom line is every one of us can be a witness. Every one of us can share our testimony. And that brings us to the final thing that I want us to see this morning and that is this. Experiencing the, the work of the Holy Spirit within us leads us to knowing that others are lost and dying in sin and that we have the cure. And that we are, our, our motive is to help those who are lost and dying in sin. Because why? That was once me. That, that was once the experience that I was having in life. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. It says this. You can turn there and look if you'd like. It says there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Do you understand? You and I have the answer. You and I have the cure for the disease of sin that people are dying in. People are suffering in. P- people are losing all hope and life. In, and we have the cure. We have the answer. How selfish is it for you and I to keep that to ourselves when we have experienced it, when we've received His grace and mercy and His forgiveness and His love? How selfish is it for us to hold that within ourselves and not share it with other people who are dying? It is the only thing that will make a difference in their life. Other things can help a little bit. It can be a a, a band aid on a bullet wound or whatever the case may be. And they might get them by a little bit. But there's only one thing that will make a true difference in someone's life for eternity, and that's the message of Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel. Why? Why would we hold on to that and not share it with others? What is the motive? To keep it to ourselves, we should see people who are hurting and people who who are lonely and people who are sick and people who are struggling and know that they're living in sin and know that there's only one thing that can help them and you and I have it. And so we need to share it with them. We need to share our witness. We need to share our testimony. We need to let other people know about Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you this morning simply this question. What is your motive? What is your motive? If if we've looked at these principles today of what should motivate us, what should be our motives, then the only thing that we can say is, is, are we motivated to share the gospel, to share a witness, to share a testimony? If we're not, why not? If we are, then praise the Lord, and let's get busy doing it. But we have to look at our own lives and ask ourselves the question, what is my motive? If not, why not? If not now, then when will I begin to do what God has called me to do, and to be a witness and to share my testimony with those that are around me? So this morning we're going to offer an invitation. Maybe there's a decision on your heart. Maybe you've not been sharing the gospel with others. Maybe you've been selfish with that in your life. And today you say, you know what? I want to live differently. I I want the motive in my life to be to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with lost people. I want to share my testimony. I I want to tell them about where I was and what he did and where I am now and, and what that means to my life. Perhaps you're here and you've never accepted that good news of the gospel that we're talking about, and you need to accept Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Whatever decision on your heart today, won't you come as we stand and we see?